0: You're listening to A Stranger Cast at thestranger.com.
1: Hey, it's Wednesday, January 16th, and I'm Eli Sanders, and this is Blabbermouth, the Stranger podcast in which we talk about what's going on this week. William Barr is on his way to being our new United States Attorney General. We talk about that with Rich Smith and Katie Herzog. Also, Steve King, the racist House member who's having a really bad week, and Trump's longest in American history shutdown, which is still not over. After that, Rich and Katie Herzog help me figure out whether Trump is really a Russian spy and what to do about it. If so, also, we gaze with horror at that photo of Trump's $3,000 fast food binge. And then Natalie Graham comes on to tell us about dueling documentaries about the fire festival this deliciously imploded rich person island vacation mess finally jasmine kaimig talks about you but first william barr rich hello hi eli you're back from
2: your sick bed that's right yeah i'm feeling 100 percent great as long as we're all lying to
1: each other great again <laughs> yes katie hello
0: good morning eli
1: William Barr.
0: He sounds like he would assassinate a president, doesn't he? He just got that.
1: <laughs> That's uh, who is that? William Burr. Burr, yeah. Burr, yeah. Barr. Honestly, well, if he did, he doesn't. Ooh, I'll get in trouble. But this is true. He does not look like he could make a speedy getaway. It's Aaron Burr. Aaron Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr. Thank you for being the
0: historian, Rich. Part of
1: the appeal of William Barr, not to be confused with Aaron Burr, I think, to Trump, is that he's this kind of, you know, large kind of serious older man who's not going to be moved by anything or anyone and has seen it all. And his sell to the members of the Senate Judiciary Committee is like – I'm old, I'm not going anywhere, no one's going to bully me, don't worry. Mm -hmm. Are you worried? I'm
2: particularly worried because one of the many worrisome things that uh, Barr said during his 100-hour testimony yesterday was that the Mueller report goes through him. So if Barr gets confirmed, which it's 100% sure that he will... We're going to see the Barr report of the Mueller report. <laughs> and and the thing that's concerning about that is that Barr um, doesn't believe that you can indict a sitting president, doesn't think that um, – uh, wrote an 18-page memo uh, that said that you can't uh, – or that President Trump wasn't obstructing justice whenever he uh, fired James Comey because Comey works for the FBI and the FBI reports to the president and so therefore the president can't obstruct justice in that case and – uh did that, we that's, say that? That's only scratching the surface of some of the problems that were um, brought up in the Barr's testimony. Yeah.
1: Speaking of service, I am suddenly feeling like we may not have even scratched the surface, the obvious surface of what Barr wants in terms of a job. I don't think we said he is trying to be the attorney general, he is yeah. trying to replace thought, Matt yeah. Whitaker, who replaced. Jeff Sessions.
0: I thought we were talking about Roseanne Barr. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Trump was trying to install Roseanne as his Attorney General, which actually would make sense.
1: Oh my God, that would be um, that would be delightful. It
0: actually, I mean, someone
1: she's... he hates more than Jeff Sessions.
0: I don't, wait, does uh, I? Oh no no. No, 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 they they like I each was... other. They like each other.
1: Yeah, who's sorry? I confused her with another one of the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood co- elite. Yeah, who Trump w- has been feuding with. So, no,
0: she's the only one in the Hollywood elite who he hasn't been viewed. Right, because she so,
1: believes his conspiracy she's theories. She's a
0: QAnon conspiracy theorist. <laughs> We've written her out of our history since, the, since she has left her TV show, but she could make be the great attorney general.
1: I will say, Roseanne Barr has not been seen since her show was canceled. And then months later, this William Barr guy popped up.
0: Very curious.
1: Mm. Very curious. Also right. curious is that
2: William Barr defended Donald Trump's witch hunt rhetoric <laughs> when asked by uh Maggie Hirono, the uh the senator from Hawaii. Uh, you know, whether or not he thought it was a, a witch hunt. He's also a big fan of mass incarceration, said that it helped the black community to imprison so many black people in the 90s. He also dishonestly tried to reframe his claim that the, that the DOJ was abdicating the responsibility by not investigating the debunked Uranium One conspiracy. He said, well, I was just trying to say, if you do one, investigate Trump for being a Russian spy, which he probably is, then you should <laughs> do the other, <laughs> which is uh, investigate uh, Hillary Clinton for this uh, thing that uh, NBC debunked in fifteen minutes on uh, you know on air. So he is bad. there is a silver lining here, pot heads. He said that he won't which I like little weed. Mm-hmm. You know I like a lot of weed. No reason to a little weed. We sh- All the way. We should All we way. should legalize that. You know, Barr does not agree with that. Barr doesn't agree with that, but he did say he's not going to go after states who have uh, uh, legalized weed. Uh, he he does think that the federal government needs to
1: reconcile the federal ban on uh, the on weed and with the states. And he That's wants Congress commission. to do something. He's basically yes. saying, Congress, come in and like take pot off the schedule one control substance list. Yes. I mean, that although, would make on, our lives on the other
0: hand, if he actually did pitch a fit about weed, about recreational weed and legal weed states, that could actually be the catalyst. That could be the thing that makes people so mad that we just all we like put down our bongs and take up arms, you know, throw down the government.
1: Yeah. Burn it down. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't take away our fucking weed. Don't do it
1: and don't tell Barr that we said that.
2: He also has a sort of funny way with a pencil, doesn't he? Were you watching that during the hearing? He He's sort of like... Um, wields it in his hand like a little wand or a conductor's bow it was like a small little um, fidgety response that slightly endeared me to him as some kind of um, linebacker poindexter but
1: <laughs> then he started talking and i began to hate him i saw him fidgeting with a coaster one oh. of those like u.s senate coasters with the seal and he was spinning it and spinning it and mm. i think trying not to crush it yeah in like anger a fidget spinner? In, yes yes <laughs> i will say i did read something rich that said that Barr actually defended Mueller from the accusation that Mueller was on a witch hunt, saying, You know, I've been friends with Bob Mueller. I like Bob Mueller. He's going to get to finish his investigation under me, and I don't think Mueller would be involved in a witch That's hunt. That's right. Lindsey Graham asked him, Do you think Bob Mueller's in a witch hunt? And then
2: uh, and then he said, No, I don't think Bob Mueller's in a witch hunt. Bob Mueller's my friend. But then Hirono asked him later, followed up with him later. And he was uh, like, And like, Hirono pushed him on something else. And then, in like a kind of mean response to Hirono said, Oh, and by the way, let me reframe my witch hunt thing. I think that the president probably has something like exculpatory evidence about <laughs> and that's why like, he said, I can understand how if you think you're innocent, you would find this to be this Mueller investigation to be a witch hunt. So he was taking it, you know, from Trump's
1: point of view, trying to see it from all angles, you know, yeah. which is what you want the top cop to do. For me, the potentially scary thing about William Barr is that he's smarter It seems like than the average Trump nominee and uh, more skilled, I think, at bureaucratic maneuvering. And like you showed in his different comments to Lindsey Graham and the senator from Hawaii uh, can talk out of both sides of his mouth while seeming to say sort of the same thing. He's going to be a more forceful player, I think, for Trump.
2: Before we move on to the shutdown, the only thing I want to say is that the a lot of the Democrats sucked at that hearing. A lot of them ingratiated themselves to him. Their response to his inevitable um, uh, confirmation was to be like, oh, maybe I can get him to read the special report. Maybe I can get him to back my special bill or something. The only person who didn't suck was Kamala Harris, who was like stone cold the entire time and really tried to, you know, Pull some truth out of him. Uh, yeah. So I was I uh, I was, I was glad to see that from uh, Kamala.
1: I saw a moment when Kamala Harris got him, Barr, to promise to release a list of all the consent decrees that the Justice Department has rescinded involving police departments in cities around the U.S. that were under Justice Department supervision. Yeah. Under Sessions and Whitaker, apparently, the Justice Department rescinded all this supervision of problematic police departments but wouldn't say which – Departments It had rescinded its supervision from. So Kamala Harris at least extracted that over in the House. Before we talk about the shutdown quickly, mm-hmm. we need to note the passing, although not quite passing on of Representative Steve King, noted racist from Iowa, longtime member of Congress, longtime sayer of things that should have got him condemned by his fellow members of congress but just this week long after the southern poverty law center had asked paul ryan to condemn steve king long after many people have said this guy should not have the platform he has finally almost every single member of the house voted to condemn white supremacy not steve king But by implication, Steve King, he's been removed from his committees uh, and he's just, I guess, wandering the halls looking for something to do.
0: I wonder if this will have any impact at all when he runs for re-election next time.
1: That will be interesting to see. I think in Iowa it will because he was on the Agriculture Committee, which is a big deal for Iowans. And once you lose that power, you kind of lose your utility to a lot of Iowa farmers. Okay,
0: So you can be a white supremacist as long as you have good committee assignments.
1: Uh, that that actually change, right? is essentially the Republican policy toward Trump. You can be a white supremacist president as long as you have the power of the presidency and right. use it kind of in our favor a certain percentage of the time. He's also like a 2020
2: kingmaker for the Republicans, too, right? Because everyone has to go through
1: Iowa. And so this
2: is why he is un- ridiculous amount of power for just being a regular House person um, from, from Iowa. And so I think the Republicans would be glad to have the racist coot who decides the presidency for Republicans uh, out of there, replace him with another racist coot who's not going to say the quiet part out loud and say, what's so wrong with white supremacy? How, how, white nationalism? How did this become a bad word in America is what he said, but you know, part of what he said to, to the New York Times. Are uh,
1: we all in agreement, because there's been a little bit of debate in the media world about whether Steve King actually crossed the line into clear cut racism, or is that beyond dispute?
0: Yeah, that doesn't seem like up for debate. Yeah, I, mean, I don't when think you, so. When either. you endorse white supremacy, when you literally say, What's the problem with white supremacy? I think you're endorsing white supremacy.
1: You might be a racist. You might be a racist. Yeah. All right. Government shut down. Now the longest in United States history. And
0: Trump has, he has accomplished something.
1: Yes. He has made the greatest. <laughs> Length shutdown.
0: (laughs) One for the record books. Yes.
1: Uh, This is a problem for Trump. He is sinking in the polls. People blame him and Republicans more than Democrats. They now trust Democrats more than Republicans on border security, which is the whole thing that the shutdown was supposedly about. People are suffering. Republican senators are getting antsy and breaking with Trump and trying to come up with a bipartisan shutdown ending bill that maybe Trump will or won't sign. And yet Trump's not having it. Did,
2: yeah, did you did just to add to the miseries the this morning in the New York Times um, they did some they had some tabulations uh uh-huh. I like a good tabulation, and they said that the the, the typical uh, federal worker has missed five thousand dollars in pay from the shutdown so far we they lose two hundred million a, a day basically in paychecks he 's now bringing people back to work um, food safety uh, fDA inspectors um, some air traffic controllers, and some other people um, who are less essential <laughs> that, um, to, but to work without pay. Um, and Trump's own economists, which I assume is just like three goblins in a room trying not to eat each other, have increased the number uh, that they say that the shutdown is impacting the economy. And so we're now losing about point. of growth uh, per day. So far, uh, the shutdown, uh, we've lost uh, 0.5% of growth. Last quarter, we only gained 2.2% of growth. So we are (laughs) sinking the economy at an alarmingly um, quick uh, rate. And we also learned in Axios this morning that President Trump doesn't like plans. He he he, he doesn't think. He, he, he Wait, been, we just learned that? Yes, it's new new information. They interviewed they um, they asked some uh, aides about what his plan was for the shutdown. He said he had a plan, and he quotes Mike Tyson uh, saying <laughs> that you don't. Uh, everyone has a plan until they punch in the mouth. We got to keep fighting. This is how we win this thing. Two White House aides uh, backed up this this claim that he doesn't like plans, even though he claims to have them. And uh, so it doesn't seem like we're going to get out of this anytime soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. The latest this morning is Nancy Pelosi is saying we should just postpone the State of the Union if you can't resolve this thing. She's not asking, right? She's telling. It's something in between. She's basically rescinding the invitation without saying for sure you cannot show up here oh it's like you're disinvited please don't (laughs) come to this party anymore but trump being trump he could show up in the well of the house and like you know they're not gonna let him in i would love that i would love that too stay in the cloakroom, trump um so we will see if next week when we meet again the government is still shut down we'll also see whether trump gets let into the house and whether he comes up with Anything resembling a plan we should say this is Mitch
2: McConnell, like if you want the shutdown to end, Mitch McConnell and his Republicans could pass a veto proof majority on a continuing resolution and do all of this tomorrow, but because Mitch McConnell is afraid of getting primaried or losing his Senate seat in twenty twenty, which seems like not that possible um we're we're sitting here with a recalcitrant president feeding fast food to football players (laughs) from silver platters
0: (laughs) the thing about this shutdown is with everything that's happening in tsa right now everybody who's standing in line apparently at atlanta at the atlanta airport they had tsa lines stretching into the baggage claim Mm. people are waiting literally hours just to get through the fucking security this is good because they're sitting there and they're stewing about donald trump i mean it's terrible it's terrible but this is finally actually impacting everybody who like not just federal employees this is impacting all of us and so and People have to suffer, and this is good. I think it's good. It's just a, just think about that while you're waiting in line. Next time you have to fly somewhere, just concentrate on that faith. The longest, just think about yeah, it. the
2: longest lines were in Florida and uh, and like Georgia, and to, you know, two red two red states. Yeah. And if you got people waiting in Miami and uh, in Atlanta for a long time, yeah, it's my, um, he's he's
1: going to break, or his should, party is going to break around him. It's just a matter of the
0: time. Democrats should go pass out voter registration forms in these lines.
1: Not a bad idea. Thank you. All right, next <laughs> we will talk about. Donald Trump, possible Russian spy, and yes, that giant fast food spread that the president laid out. Starting a healthy routine and sticking to it are two different things entirely,
2: believe me. Inevitably, we all skimp on that full night of sleep. Skip a workout, or two, or three, or four, or five, or six, or brush our teeth. With a tired old brush, an old horsehair toothbrush. We're not perfect. Nobody is. But we can do better. And Quip is a better electronic toothbrush that can help. Okay? We can become New Year's angels with this toothbrush. Here's a horrifying statistic. Up to 90% of us don't brush for the full two minutes. We're disgusting. We're vile creatures. That's not even the top 10% of the 1% of billionaires. 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or clean evenly, okay? But Quip has a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth evenly, okay? Solves two problems at once. You don't clean everywhere. You don't do it long enough. Quip's got Two little devices in there. Two little magical spells that'll make you do it. Also, people brush too hard. And some electronic toothbrushes are too abrasive, too powerful. You don't need all that power in one little toothbrush, okay? You need a delightful, soft pulse. That's what Quip has. Quip has a gentle, as gentle as a lamb. With a sensitive, sonic vibrations for an effective clean. It's gentle on your sensitive gums. You're weak, puny. Old gums, even your sensitive young gums, all gums are treated equally by the quip, which is to say softly. Okay, here's another stat for you. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective and occasionally made of the hair of horses. It's time for some young, new energy, okay? With quip, brush heads, are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and to stay committed to oral health, which is everybody's New Year's resolution. We're going into 2019 with clean teeth, okay? That's why I love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash blabbermouth right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G E T Q U I P dot com slash
1: blabbermouth. So maybe, though, Donald Trump is too busy to think about the shutdown because he's really busy being a Russian spy. Yeah. That's the implication, maybe more than an implication, from reports in the New York Times and the Washington Post, which go beyond the kind of, is he maybe working for Putin question that's hung in the back of our minds for a very long time and point out that when Trump has met with Putin over the last couple of years, which is, I think, a total of five times in person, he's done some really weird shit. Yeah. Like, for example, taking his interpreter's notes after the meetings when it's just trump and putin and like an american interpreter and a russian interpreter in the room trump went over to the american interpreter took the notes i think on more than one occasion if i read right and told the interpreter never to tell anyone what was discussed.
2: Yeah, not even members of his own cabinet or his national security aides or anything. And yeah, Trump has met five times with Putin, and nobody knows what they said to one another. Meanwhile, the New York Times revealed over the weekend right, that the FBI uh, opened up a counterintelligence investigation on the president after he fired James Comey because they thought his behavior aligned with someone who could be a compromised Russian, or know, compromised president, a Russian spy. So yeah, then that uh, what happened? Is he a spy? Well, Mueller took that that investigation. We again don't know, like whether or not this was a kind of perfunctory opening up of a counterintelligence operation related to the Mueller report, or if the FBI was seriously just like. Well, I, he's acting like a spy, so we should probably figure out if he's compromised. Right. Um, but that seems to be the case. Yeah, and when when coupled with um, the Washington Post um, reports that he is snatching papers out of the hands of translators, so nobody can um, uh, figure out what he and Putin said to one another, that's um, it means he's a spy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's smart enough to be a spy. I mean, that, I it's like who would recruit that man?
1: Well, Stephen yeah. Colbert had a really great. Uh, answer by way of a visual to this issue he 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 had a spot where he was like let's play the new game show idiot or spy either way putin wins Yeah. yeah it doesn't really matter whether he is like all in on the spying thing which i could imagine him being whether he's effective or not who knows it's enough for putin just to potentially have helped install an idiot at the top of the U.S. government.
0: Well, it also just would not seem it the the P tape. I mean, the idea that that Putin has some compromise. is that the word yeah. of, on Trump. Just, I mean, it it just seems obvious.
2: Right. Maybe spy is too big of a word. Right. He's got a stooge. Right. He's got somebody right. who's got shit. on. He's armed. got
0: something on Trump. Yeah. That seems like, but also it's like, what would embarrass Trump at this point? I mean, it would have to be something <laughs> terrible for him to actually be embarrassed.
1: There yeah. is a long list of actions Trump has taken, and it's too much to go through here, and you probably know them already, but uh, actions that he's taken that are way favorable to Putin and unfavorable to the United States and the United States' long European allies. Are you European saying that the president
0: allies. should be working in to support the United States?
1: Well— at least historically, that's been, hmm. for the hmm. most part, okay. uh, the yeah the top of the president's agenda. Not in this administration, which is why people are kind of worried/confused slash confused.
0: I think that makes him a globalist. He's working for really the the entire human race. He hates the globalists. He does hate the yeah, globalists.
1: he's not he a globalist because one of the
2: things that would be a huge gift to Putin is withdrawing from NATO and President Trump randomly brings up the possibility of pulling out of this 70-year alliance that's held, you know, world peace arguably for the last, you know, 7 years at least between European uh, allies and uh, and and the Soviets or the or, or the Russians. And so that um, which Trump again this week brought up, I guess, to um, uh, internal White House aides. Yeah, it suggests that perhaps someone is in there named Putin, p- p- prodding
1: him uh, every time he meets. us.
2: So, oh, are you going to pull out of NATO? Because that would be that would really help me.
1: Yeah, or or more direct than that. My thing is that, like, in the Hollywood action movie version of this, at which is you know how I get my like uh, tips for living. Yeah, um, this is the point where someone bursts into the president's room and finds the uh secret device for communicating with putin in the tanning bed or whatever you know it's like the back channel that yes, the Boy something Prince Kushner happens. set up. Yeah. something actually happens and instead we're just like is he a spy isn't he okay we all get up and go to work and we get on the bus and we you know go stand in the tsa lines i mean well there is a co-equal branch of government that's supposed to have some power regard to you know foreign policy
2: and the the and the Senate and uh, Democrats, I guess to their cre- – sorry, the Senate Republicans and Democrats, I guess to their credit, have been uh, acting somewhat um, uh, against uh, what it, Russia wanted to – sorry, Trump wanted to lift sanctions on a uh, Russian oligarch who was, I think, a spy, and the Senate and Democrats voted down that measure. Senate and Democrats and Republicans could you know, vote down um, Trump's ability to pull out of NATO – uh, but you know, they're, they're doing okay, uh, on the Russian front, but they're not doing all they could.
1: All right. I'll worry a little less. Although also worrying was an amazing, but arresting image that came out of the white house this week of Donald Trump standing beneath an oil painting of Abraham Lincoln, <sighs> arms outstretched, candelabras lit on a banquet table in yeah. front of him tureens filled with sauce from fast food places mm-hmm. where Donald Trump had just laid out 3000 bucks for a massive massive banquet of big Macs and fillet of fishes and everything else for uh, i think the Clemson University college football team that was visiting yeah, yeah.
0: yes and it, okay Football players like fast food. Like, I, I don't think Do this is a terrible, yeah, I think that, I think people like fast that's food. That's, I mean, that's, a- I think people like fast food. But here's the thing. People like fast food when it's fresh. <laughs> Nobody wants fast food that has been sitting on your fucking banquet table for a while. Like, after 10 minutes, it's not good anymore. And it's also like, he, like, he bragged about how he paid for this. He got literally the cheapest food that you could possibly get. So he's going to pay for it because the government shut down, the kitchens aren't running. And so he's going to shell out the bare, the bare fucking minimum that he could it also everybody just gets a dollar burger
1: crazy it you got to go look at the photo and it's an i think another example of trump's like uh reality distorting narcissism because his favorite thing to eat at a party is uh right. two big max and a fillet of fish i think that's his standing order or was yes, he called uh. it like a fish delight or something <laughs> i love a fish delight yeah even maybe when it's cold and a how chocolate still, shake.
0: I mean, how is this man still alive? He's like bile,
1: yeah, pure bile. He's it? running he's just, on pure bile. I mean, I, you all know, I would blood. think he
0: would pickled, but he, he, but he doesn't <laughs> drink.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> all right, you have to go look at the photo if you can bear it. We're going to talk now with Natalie Graham about another very American shit show, the Fire Festival. Rich, you can't buy a t-shirt for fifty dollars. Right. That's
2: too expensive. Well, not if you knew it, it only cost $7 to make. That would be unethical.
1: It would be unethical. And with Everlane, you never do the unethical thing and overpay for clothes. You get quality clothes, yep. premium essentials, mm-hmm. using only the finest materials Preach. without traditional markups. Exactly. Everlane wants you to know what you're paying for and why, so they just tell you their real costs. They're radically transparent about every step in their process, from the materials they use to the ethical factors they work with. In 2018, in fact, Uh they made a resolution, a New Year's commitment to eliminate all virgin plastics from their supply chain by 2021. Okay, very good, Everlane. Very Mm -hmm. good. That means Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. Because Everlane sells directly to you, their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers, those people selling the $50 shirts. Essentials like their Cotton Crew t-shirt at Everlane are exactly what they should be. Simple, stylish, made from quality materials, and not $50. Rich, you have been rocking your non-virgin sweatshirt. Non virgin yeah, plastic sweatshirt. It
2: occurs to me as we sit here that if I wasn't wearing Everlane clothes, I would be naked. I am wearing a plastic uh, <laughs> a sweatshirt made of plastic, which is amazing and works against the cold. I'm wearing one of their uh, uh, essential cotton crew uh, tees uh, beneath it, which is uh, great. It breathes wonderfully. And I'm wearing their jeans, which are sort of um, delightful and uh, they fit really well. And uh, I wear them uh, every day. I cannot speak highly enough about these vintage plastic clothes.
1: Quite often when we walk up the stairs to the Blowermouth Studios, we are both wearing our Everlane <laughs> re-recycled plastic parkas. That's right. We're twins. We twin a lot. hmm But they look good. They look great. We look great. You'll look great,
2: too, if you buy Everlane's plastic clothes.
1: Quality Cotton Basics Premium Japanese Denim Made at the World's Cleanest Denim Factory Perfectly Fit Oxford Shirts Outerwear made from recycled water bottles. Everlane has it all and right now. You can check out our personalized collection, the Rich and Eli Winter Collection, at Everlane dot com slash Blabbermouth. Plus you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's Everlane dot com slash Blabbermouth. Everlane dot com slash Blabbermouth. Natalie, hello. Hey. Uh so the Fire Festival. This was a thing that happened or was going to happen last year and then spectacularly imploded. Remind us what the hell it was.
3: Well, it was 2017, which I guess oh. is now technically 2 years ago. Okay. Uh but yeah, picture this white sandy beaches, uh Jaw Rule, uh Blink 182, uh the Bahamas. Uh, oh my god. Well, what could be better than that? I don't know. You know, it's just really like all you could ever dream of. Um and it was this music festival pitched to the young elite um and it didn't really exist like it they the organizers said that they had all this stuff put together and when people showed up it was basically rubble and FEMA tents and uh soggy cheese sandwiches
1: and someone ran away with the money right
3: yeah so the cheapest ticket to get to fire festival besides like the airfare cuz how much does it cost to get to Point Exuma um, was $12,000 and people paid up to, uh, I think the figure is $250,000 for like the biggest, most extravagant villa, which also didn't exist.
1: So part of the deliciousness of watching the Fire Festival implosion, I think, was the delight in watching people who pay $250,000 or whatever for a ticket to a festival like this get scammed and uh reduced to crying about their lack of bottled fancy water and uh tents and so on they were they were like refugees on this island
3: right it was it i I tuned into the fire festival drama when it was happening um and it it was kind of it was so fun to watch because it was like all those Instagram posts you see of people at Coachella in their like uh out whatever those Coachella outfits are. Right, what's the uh, Indian headdress? Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, but <laughs> instead, they're complaining about their food, and there's no, uh, there's no hospitality. There's nothing, um, and it's hard to separate like what seems funny to what in reality is these people getting scammed. And there's like this real uh, dark reality to Fire Festival.
1: So there are now two dueling documentaries coming out maybe one on Hulu and one on Netflix and that itself has been a shit show.
3: Right, so Netflix uh, reamped, reignited the Fire Festival hype uh, back in December by like dropping a trailer about this documentary. I think Fire Festival had collectively faded from um, our memories, but then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, we would like to see more about that." Especially since all these people are influencers on Instagram, so there's definitely footage floating around. And so that documentary was scheduled to come out this Friday. And then Hulu, without saying anything, dropped their documentary on Monday, Monday morning. And um, so that's all, like b- five days before. And so everybody already got satisfied with their Fire Festival um, needs. But at the end of the Hulu documentary, there's this tidbit that the marketing agency that uh, worked for Fire Festival from the beginning until the end, uh, it, or one of the producers on the Netflix documentary.
1: Hmm shady
3: very shady so what are we getting from netflix if um one of these one of their producers has an agenda here because they have a reputation uh to save and um they aren't presented very positively in the hulu documentary uh it's jerry media um but then it also came to light that hulu paid The main scamster, Billy McFarlane, um, who put together Fire Festival, he was the whole mastermind behind it. They paid him allegedly $250,000 for
1: For the interview.
3: For the interview, yeah.
1: Which is in the journalism ethics world and the documentary making ethics world a little uh, suspect. It's frowned on, it's not really done very much.
3: Especially when this guy is a fucking scamster who takes all these people's money and makes... Oh, my gosh. He has this whole litany of um, failed scam ideas of, like, trying to get people – telling people he can get them, like, Hamilton tickets and then going on StubHub and buying tons of Hamilton tickets it's himself. It's a pyramid scheme. He does oh, this over yeah. and over again where he just promises
0: people shit and then he pays them off with the next people that he promises shit. And he, he went – he's been sentenced to six years in jail for, I guess, fraud, which doesn't – he – like, he the, – the total cost of him scamming just for Fire Festival – was something like $24, $28 million, something like that. And he got six years in jail, which I find appalling. You get more than that when you hold up a fucking 7-Eleven. But of course, this is America. White-collar crime is, actually does pay.
1: So you watched one of the documentaries?
0: Yeah, I watched the Hulu documentary.
1: And are you glad you spent your time doing that? I mean,
0: I spend my time, waste, I waste my time in so many other ways <laughs> that like, what is, th- what is, is this any different? I didn't find the documentary very illuminating. Billy comes across as very one dimensional as just sort of a scammer. They don't go at all deep into the psychology of why he might have done this. It's not, I don't think it's a great, I don't think it's a great documentary. However, like there is something um sort of, you know, delicious about watching people with more money than you suffer, which everybody enjoys. So on that level. You don't, you know, have twelve thousand dollars to blow on a weekend. You might enjoy it.
1: It's cheaper. Natalie, have you or will you watch these documentaries?
3: I've watched the Hulu one. Um, kind of in the same boat as Katie. It was okay, but yeah, I, I and I will. Da- I, I, guess I gotta watch the Netflix one because somehow I feel like Netflix is just gonna make a better documentary, which really conflict is conflicting with the whole ethical dilemma of um the producers of the documentary have something to gain from a good documentary. But yeah, the Hulu one was informational, but I feel like I could have gotten all of that from a New York Times uh, story, which I did.
1: All right. Well, either way, honestly, I mean, for me, hard to resist watching very, very wealthy people doing something kind of shallow that they think is going to be fun end up in what were literally FEMA trailers. Next, we're going to talk about a show called you jasmine keing hello good
4: morning eli
1: let's talk about you
4: well you know i'm I'm doing okay oh the
1: netflix series
4: (laughs) (laughs) Joke. <laughs> yes. So I spent my last weekend watching You, um, and it's a psychological thriller TV series that's really caught on. Um, I think because of social media, it's it's one of those things. And I'm going to just start out by saying that it's it's a bad show. <laughs> you is, is not particularly good, but it's so bad it's good. It, it kind of is like that horseshoe theory of... I can't believe that this is something that was given money Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just so deliciously horrible Um, but essentially it's about um, it stars Penn Badgley of Gossip Girl fame and uh, he plays Joe Greenberg who works in an indie bookstore in New York City and it's all told from his perspective and one day this beautiful woman comes into his store named Guinevere Beck but she goes by Beck because she's interesting. And um, she's a, a great poet, quote unquote. And she's in grad school for her MFA at NYU. So, of course, she's broke. Um, and he just quickly becomes very obsessed with her. And I think you is also this moralistic type of drama that's about the dangers of social media because he stalks her and uh, through her Twitter, through her Instagram because she just posts on it all the time and she likes showing this luxurious life that she has when she's really just broke. Um, And he slowly stalks her and manages to get into her life in a way and um, he kidnaps people around her and there's a lot of murder and... It, it turns dark pretty quickly.
1: So um, what? What is okay? So psychological thriller and pretty. I mean, standard construction. Just in the big pieces of it, right? Um, what is so gross about it? <laughs> it's
4: it's it's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous, yeah.
0: and it's like it's the it's like it's. I think Jasmine's totally right. It's delicious in the sort of the same way that Gossip Girl was, and yeah. I think that. Penn Bagley's role in this is, is really essential because if you, like, I watched all of Gossip Girl. I was too old for it. <laughs> really? I watched every fucking episode. I loved it. I loved it. I loved, like, this delicious, trashy soap opera. And this is essentially that same thing, but just with an extra level of violence. But it's so outlandish. Like, not only are the crazy things that he does to, like, w- like, kill and kidnap people insane, like, hiding them in the basement of the bookstore that he works at. Like, that's a little bit crazy. Here's the, here's the thing that would never happen. He refers to himself in this show, as a bookstore clerk a bookseller has never in history referred to himself as a bookstore clerk. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> i worked at bookstores. It just does not ever, ever happen. Well, yeah, it's surreal, that yeah, is, realism. Yes, yeah. that is less likely than someone kidnapping his girlfriend and hiding her in the basement of the bookstore that he works, which a bookseller might do, but a bookstore clerk would never.
4: Yeah. And someone on Twitter actually astutely pointed out that he, as a part of his uniform, he wears an apron. An apron! <laughs> an a- fucking apron! You don't need an apron. Books are like, what messy. Yeah, you need, yeah, but, yeah, what do you need yeah. an apron, I don't understand.
1: Um, So, okay. So the plot is kind of unbelievable. The dialogue is unbelievable and bad. The poetry is terrible. And it's also like,
4: uh, Beck, she gets referred to as like a great writer. Oh, God. Horrible. She, like, just the little clips that they give us. Like, I wish most of it was... Just me listening to all of her bad poetry. Yeah,
0: like the um, dialogue in the show is terrible. So if you know they can't write – these, these if these screenwriters can't write dialogue,
4: imagine them writing poetry. So
1: we are watching this. You are watching this, both of you, uh, for the train wreck aspect of
4: yeah, it. Yeah, and also it's just like the equivalent of your brain being off. Yeah. You know, like I kind of understand how you know how sharks—they don't ever close their eyes when they go to sleep; they just like keep moving. Uh-huh. I feel like that's what this TV show is for human brains. Yeah,
0: it's totally vacuous. You can like you can you know when like you're you're watching TV and you're on your phone and so you're like halfway paying attention yeah. and you're halfway not. With this show, it doesn't matter because you can dip in and out of consciousness and you've left and you've lost absolutely nothing. <laughs> right,
4: and you just you don't really root for any of the characters. No, you don't um, because. I mean, obviously what Penn, what Penn's character is doing is horrible and disgusting and what every woman who dates men's, like, you know, fear is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they somehow make Beck unlikable. Like, I'm not necessarily, like, rooting for her, like, something bad to happen for her, but it's – there's just no kind of depth to any of them. Yeah. Like Um, you
0: want him to get caught. Yeah. But you also kind of don't really give a shit if she dies. (laughs) It's a weird show. Very compelling television.
1: All right. High recommend for uh, exercising your shark consciousness. Yes.
4: Yes. That's exactly what I would
1: say. Jasmine, thank you. No worries. The show is you on Netflix. Katie, thank you. Thank you. And that's the show. If you've got something to say to Rich Smith, Katie Herzog, Natalie Graham, Jasmine Keiming, or me, call the Blabberphone, 206-302-2063, or dive on into our Blabbermouth podcast Facebook group. Thanks, as always, to Ahime Filet Aluo for making the music we use on the show each week, and to Nancy Hartunian for bringing our blabbering mouths to your ears.